What's up, my fellow history nerds, and welcome back to Adult History. As always, I am super excited to share my love of history in a new and entertaining way. This podcast is going to cover a few of the things you've learned in history class, but a lot of the things you didn't. I'm Christiane, and this is Adult History. In this evening's episode, I'm going to recount the events leading up to the very first Thanksgiving, as well as what it would have been like to be there, and also the tragic losses that followed. But first, let's pair a cocktail to help get us through our lesson. Our historically-themed cocktail for this evening is a cranberry apple cider cocktail. Let's make this drink. Here's what you'll need. Your cocktail shaker, two ounces of cranberry juice, one ounce of fresh-squeezed orange juice, one ounce of vodka, and a bottle of chilled hard cider. Feel free to add in an apple slice for garnish. And as always, you'll need ice. So go ahead and fill your glass and your cocktail shaker with ice. Add your cranberry juice, orange juice, and vodka to the cocktail shaker and shake until chilled. Then strain into an ice-filled glass. Top off this glass with your hard cider and garnish with your apple slice. Enjoy. Okay, nerds. Now, most of us know the story of the pilgrims and the Native Americans peacefully sharing a meal after the first successful harvest for the immigrants, but we only know a little bit about the mass conquering and displacement of the local Native Americans in the area these immigrants inhabited that led up to this first Thanksgiving. The stories we know today were actually the ones left for us by the white settlers and pilgrims, and they don't accurately represent the events from the Native American side. This lesson is unfortunately full of murder, disease, death, and sadness, all leading up to the first celebration. In order to fully understand the first Thanksgiving that took place in 1621, we need to go back almost 100 years prior to when the Native American tribes first started to encounter European settlers. Since the 1520s, the local native people in the area of Plymouth, known as the Wampanoag tribe, had been periodically encountering European settlers and explorers. But it wouldn't be until the 1600s, however, that their land and people would truly be in danger. Trade between the Europeans and the Wampanoag, as well as other native tribes, was extremely desirable and important to both groups. So much so that when a European captain offered local indigenous people a trade opportunity on his ship in 1614, they eagerly agreed, disregarding the fact that most European native encounters often led to bloodshed. And when these Wampanoag men boarded the ship, the captain immediately trapped them in the bottom of the ship and sailed off to sell them as slaves back in Europe. And guess what? This was sadly a very common event during these times. Acts like this only added to the fear and distrust the indigenous people felt for the European settlers. Frequently, white immigrants were also captured and taken as slaves in retaliation, and oftentimes there were very violent encounters that led to mass bloodshed on both sides. 
One Wampanoag man known as Tesquantum, who was captured by that same European captain and taken to Europe, was able to learn English and earn his freedom. He took the first chance he got to return to his village back in the colonies. However, when he returned, his tribe had been devastated by disease and violence brought on by the settlers, and his people were almost all deceased. Let's take a quick break. Now back to the lesson. The rightfully angry Wampanoag tribe retaliated by slaughtering a large number of Europeans, only adding to the tension, death, and tragedy. And let's not forget, the entire time this violence was taking place, the native tribes were being ravaged by an epidemic brought to them by French sailors who wrecked off the coast of their lands. They captured some of these French sailors and were going to keep them as slaves, but one of these sailors was infected with the disease that would later kill most of their population. The Wampanoag people had no immunities to these foreign diseases, and it spread through their people like wildfire. It is believed that they most likely had contracted smallpox or the plague, but researchers aren't sure. Can you imagine watching everyone you love die from a mysterious disease you had never seen before, brought on by strangers who looked nothing like anyone you had ever encountered? This was not only heartbreaking for the Wampanoag people, but it almost wiped out their entire nation. Of the 8,000 Wampanoag people living near the Plymouth settlement, only 2,000 would survive the epidemic, while elsewhere it wiped out almost 90% of native populations. They had no choice but to give up their homes, their land, and their lifestyles to find safer places to live. They were dying so quickly and in such large numbers that many were left unburied. Explorers often happened upon completely overgrown villages and fields, riddled with skeletons and the diseased bodies of Native Americans who had succumbed to the pandemic, basically ghost towns. As if death and disease weren't enough, all around New England, Native tribes were being forced to leave their lands because of dwindling numbers and the inability to stand up against European firepower or the more violent tribes in their area. This left local Wampanoags terrified of European settlers, and rightfully so, I might add. They believed that the Europeans' angry god had brought this epidemic to wipe them out. This fear is even more evident when the first winter left half of the pilgrims dead and very outnumbered, yet the Wampanoag people never attacked them because of the immense fear of their European god. This fear, and the fear of the violent Narragansett tribe to the south of the Wampanoag people, led their leader to form an alliance with the pilgrims at Plymouth. In the spring and summer of 1621, the Wampanoag taught the pilgrims what to plant and how to hunt in these new lands. They even taught them how to use dried fish as fertilizer in the fields. They formed friendships with the pilgrims, and peace fell upon the area for a while. When the pilgrims' first harvest was successful, they planned a huge celebration in the fall of 1621. And to thank the native people who taught them so many things, they invited them to share in the celebrations. And this is how the first Thanksgiving came to be. Ninety Native Americans from the Wampanoag tribe joined the pilgrims to take part in celebrating the English tradition of Harvest Festival. The celebration would last for days. The smells of meats cooking like venison, goose, turkey, and fish would have filled the air. Beans and squash would have been plentiful. And they also made delicious cornbread from the corn the Wampanoag had taught them to grow and harvest. They continued to celebrate the Harvest Festival for a few years following the first Thanksgiving. Let's take a quick break. Now back to the lesson. And wouldn't it be awesome to end it there with an, and they all lived happily ever after. But we know that's not the case. 
It wasn't long until the Wampanoag chief met a comet, realized that the pilgrims were having a terrible effect on their tribe. They had lost so many to disease and watched so many others sold into slavery or converted to Catholicism that Chief Metacomet chose to declare war on the pilgrims. This war only lasted a year, but it was one of the most deadly and devastating Indian wars from that time. This led to the demise of the Wampanoag as it is known, and survivors fled to other tribes while many others were captured and sold into slavery. Today, around 3,000 Wampanoag people still live in Massachusetts and Rhode Island, many of whom live on reservations given to them by the U.S. government. How can you be given something that was already yours to begin with? Well, the U.S. somehow figured that out as well. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm so thankful for my life and my freedom here in this country, but I also know that it came at a great cost. And for that, we need to tell history the way it truly happened. For we cannot stop repeating history if we don't truly know it. We live on lands of Native people who lost their homes and loved ones in the wake of the founding of this country. It is important to respect those lives and lands lost and do our part to help preserve and respect their cultures and the lands that we so greatly coveted. This Thanksgiving, share the real history of this holiday so that our children can truly understand how it happened and the loss that came with it. Our people owe thanks to the indigenous people and the recognition of their help in teaching our forefathers to survive here, as well as our promise to protect their lands and their sacred culture in any way we can. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Adult History. Make sure you subscribe so you can keep up with our weekly episodes. Now go out and share your new holiday knowledge with your friends and family, and I will talk to you guys on next week's episode of Adult History, where we learn about a female pirate named Ching Si, and it turns out she was actually the most successful pirate in history. Today's lesson was written and edited by Christiane, and all music for this podcast was created by Corey Miller. You can find today's lesson sources on our Facebook page, at Adult History. Thank you.